And I'm Mo Akande. And today's guest is Justice Amir, and we'll be talking about Lil Nas X's music video, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Justice, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, y'all. I'm very excited. Awesome. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself first before we jump into it? Sure, yeah. So my name is Justice again. I am a organizer and poet in Providence, Rhode Island, Black queer, trans, person of faith, but I love uh, pop culture, and I also love uh, religious pop culture references, so I'm very excited to be here. Well, thank you, Justice, for introducing yourself to us. So, we are going to dive right into it with this amazing music video. I'm so excited for this episode. (laughs) I watched it, and I was like, this is what I want, and now here we are. Yeah. (laughs) It was really fun, too, to to just re-watch it all together and Mm -hmm. be like, I just feel like there's so many things to think about. It's just like this work of art that has so many messages so (laughs) the amount of layers in that one music video is amazing you also have to be so smart to get off of that Mm -hmm. like i feel like he did not get enough of that credit that it's like there are so many clever references within it of christian imagery but he also is like coming in with different mythologies with like some greek stuff and Mm -hmm. the snake is like a depiction of lilith and medieval cultures like there's just so many layers in my head. It does. Which was awesome. Um, does everyone just want to get their like initial reaction to seeing the music video? Sure. Do we want to start? Um, maybe Justice can give like a three sentence summary of like what the video. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is. Yeah. Let's do that. So Montero, "Call Me by Your Name" by Little Nas X. Um, it was a song released earlier this year, and uh, in the music video. Uh, Little Nas X, whose real name is Montero Lamar Hill, um, is portraying all of the characters um, and starts off as a character in what seems to be a sort of eerie, odd-looking Garden of Eden. There is a snake character also played by Little Nas X. Um, they uh, kiss, and then Little Nas X almost ascends to heaven, but then kind of ascends to hell instead, and then gives the devil a lap dance, and we <laughs> love that. Um, and um, gives the devil a lap dance, and at the very end, I'm not going to ruin it, but let's just say there's red eyes and wings um, on a Montero character, because they're all Little Nas X. Anyway, um, I think that's a very brief summary. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty much what happens. Yeah. The song itself is about, uh, it's about a few different things, but definitely about Little Nas's sort of 
experience of queerness and also how that plays into desirability and religion and like self-acceptance and so that's what the video is also about but on a more symbolic level <laughs> i think that that's such an easy way to sort of explain the music video without everyone having to go and watch it before listening to this totally so I, I guess I can give my initial impressions. It's interesting because I feel like I am not a big pop culture person. So even before we had decided to do this episode, I hadn't seen the video and I watched it for the episode a few times. And the shock factor is real. Like I watched it through and I remember my first, like pretty much my only two thoughts were like, I can't believe he did this video. Not even in like an opinion way, like good mm -hmm. or bad, or like I was just like, oh my god. And then also my other thought was like, just the artistry of it and the the graphics, and it was just really cool. I was like, oh, I get why this is such a polarizing video as far as its message, but I am not past just like the makeup and the outfits and the the CGI snake, which. The outfits are so freezing good. Out. They're, it's so amazing. So anyway, those were my first impressions, and I think um, I think I'm coming into this conversation as not a pop culture person and like a pretty like individual spiritual person. Um, so I'm really interested to hear what you guys thought about it. Yeah. Um, I just watched it because I saw it like blowing up everywhere, and I was like, I need to see why people are angry. And I watched it and I was like, this is brilliant. Why are people so angry? Um, because that was my initial reaction to it. I loved the costumes and I loved um, it initially. And then for this episode, I did like a deeper dive into like all the symbolism that they were using. And I was like, oh, so this is not only like beautiful to watch and like a bop of a song, but it's also like super smart and clever at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'm just so here for all of this. Cause I was just like, yeah, that song was with Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> like all time row, Billy Ray Cyrus, cowboy boots. And like, now we're here. And I'm like, I would just love to know. Like I know COVID and Quarantine was hard for all of us, but like that was a jump. Um, <laughs> for real. But I, I was really here for this jump. Oh my gosh, for real. No, I I think like the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my god. And I think I had heard a lot about it, like for the few hours, you know, I had been awake that day, and I was like, wow, this is this is amazing. This is like because it is shocking, and there's like lines in there that I'm like, did you really say that? For real. Um, and um, my I, I was like raised in a Black Baptist tradition, um, and so that's like still definitely a part of uh, influences my faith a lot. And my brother actually who's more connected or like more deeply entrenched in the church I would say but he called me he was like what's going on Justice like what's going on with this video I don't know how I feel about it and I was like well listen you know boy queer and <laughs> this is the messaging that we get so he decided to use it and it's great um the other important thing to know about Lil Nas X is that he's a troll He's like 110% a troll, does not care. Like is very proud of that fact. And way before Old Town Road, um, Lil Nas X was this young teen who was running a Nicki Minaj Twitter, a Nicki Minaj fan account Twitter, Minaj Minaj, right? And so Old Town Road 
was also a troll song. Mm-hmm. And so when this came up, I said, yes, I cannot wait to get this song number one. I'm going to make sure everyone plays it because this is another wonderful, very meaningful song, but also like it is a, it is pushing the boundaries still. And I, I really, I really loved that. I love the costumes. I love the video. And I thought the lyrics were incredibly fun to listen to. Um, And I love a short song that you can just put on repeat. And he's very good at doing that, again, because he's a troll. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great perspective. It's true. You get that sense, too, watching some of the looks he gives. It's, like, clear he's trolling hard and he's, like, digging it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as a sim- similar, you know, I was, I'm a cradle Episcopalian, but, you know, my dad's Nigerian, so very traditional, um, lots of thoughts about sexuality and identity that don't resonate with me as a young American, mm-hmm. um, whatsoever. And so I could feel it getting at these like deeply entrenched traditions that have been like, you know, instilled in me from birth about like okay, yeah, I get it. He's a troll. He's trolling. This is what people say. They like, they're tell, they tell him he's going to go to hell and things like this. So fine, I'll go to hell and I'll give Satan a lap dance. And I'm like, I love that message. And then part of me is still like, oh my God, like he's giving Satan a lap dance. Like (laughs) Satan is for real. Like Mm -hmm. that is for real, for real. We like, we don't even really like say Satan unless it's like you're doing something real bad, like Satan's out to get you or something. So that that's just like things that I'm grappling with watching the video. Like yes. how do I feel versus like how was I raised to feel? Yeah, yeah. no. Go ahead. No, I I am a cradle Episcopalian, but my family's very chill in almost every aspect so to me i love when people take like imagery that we know a certain way and they're like actually no this is how we're gonna do it and i like saw this show um on broadway that was all about like the aids epidemic and they ended in like the um the tableau of the uh last supper so i feel like this isn't also like a new thing with like queer people taking these christian imagery and being like we're in it too so like sit down sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally i think that's like a, a a really big thing too i think the outrage surprised me only because, like, the backlash, because I was like, this ain't that new, y'all. I was like, like, <laughs> yeah. it's fantastic and bold, but, like, you know, I've seen a devil before. I don't know if I've ever seen a... I have seen a devil get a lap dance. I've been to Halloween parties, you know? Um, <laughs> and um, I think, like, it is true that, like, for a lot of queer people, um, we often have to sort of rewrite gospels to fit ourselves into them. And um, it's something, like, I play with and... and with Adam and Eve particularly, that story is so central to being used in homophobic and transphobic ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often like, well, God created Adam and Eve, right? Like, you know, it was a man and a woman. It was, um, you know, it's, that's what's holy. That's what the union is supposed to be. And so a lot of these roots of homophobia and arguments against same-sex marriage or arguments against being, you know, as a trans person, like arguments against being trans or non-binary because that's not what you were born as all those things um a lot of what 
you know, through art, queer folks do is sort of play with that narrative. And it's like, okay, here's all the stories you're telling me. How can I reconstruct them? Like, I've done that with Adam and Eve, reimagining Adam as Eve, as a, as a trans woman. Um, and um, with this particular piece, I think it is a lot of that, okay, if you say I'm going to hell for my sexuality, then why do I need to be... Like, if you say I'm already damned on Earth, then why should I be following your rules anyway? And I think that's, like, a really important crux of, um, you know, if we're talking about spreading the message of God, you can't spread that through hate. Because, you like, the whole idea is that there's, like, redemption and that there's salvation. And if you're saying someone's eternally damned for who they are and they have no hope of that, then why should they listen to whatever you're telling them to do? Right? And I think that is sort of a lot of what um, Lil Nas is pushing with this video. And you can tell even like how you said some of the costumes are very like parody, right? Like the royal court, the like very like European blue ruffled right. um, wigs, um, you know, and it, the, the European setup, right? The Colosseum, also very European, like the um, some of the, the, the hairdos, right? And I think, I think that's also playing on, like, where are we also getting these messages from? Like, what is some of the, like, you know, geographical history that's being played out here? And when did homophobia actually enter the church, right? Because that's also historically, like, needs to be contextualized when we're having conversations about, like, um, how religion and um, sexuality and gender sort of play out together, too. Yeah. And I think having it... In the Colosseum, what is interesting is that this is like a story of Christian martyrs, pretty much. Mm. That like it is a trial by people who don't understand what's happening, and it is spectacle. It reminds me a lot of like the Good Friday Passion, yeah, um, mm. sort of um, story. And I think it's also vivid that everyone is in blue which are these like really masculine color like yeah he plays with the idea but at the end of the day he's in blue which we have decided for some reason is male mm -hmm. um and then the little Nas X that is um going to hell or is up um is in these pink outfits and if you look i didn't actually notice it until right now his outfit if you took off the fur that's around him is what a lot of the pictures of Jesus is wearing on the cross. It's like a loincloth. Mm -hmm. So it's, I know, I found that new layer oh like gosh. this past five minutes. Every I was watch. like, I can't. <laughs> you have to rewatch it like seven times to understand just a fraction of what's happening. There's just so many um, very smart things going on. But I think that that is really um, an interesting way to contextualize it as well mm -hmm. as you said that it's like he's being martyred for who he is. Mm hmm. Mm. I don't know if that speaks to sort of that, what you were talking about too, because my brother was like, you know, the, I, don't, I don't like double imagery. Like I can, I was like, you used to watch Hellboy and all that. And he was like, yeah, I don't watch that anymore. I was like, okay, you know, I feel like I got introduced to half these images to go action movies, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but um, I think, I think there is definitely that like shock factor, like, of like the whole lap dance thing, I just oh god, it was I, honestly I'm not even gonna say it was the best lap dance I've ever seen because it certainly isn't, but I think the provocateur of okay, well you know how do you have fun in hell? And then I think one thing I'm I'm, I'm questioning is like at the end of the day, spoiler alert, he like you know breaks the devil's neck, 
But then he takes his crown. So I'm like, okay, I don't actually know what the message is in there besides, well, if I'm going to be here, I might as well run it. Um, which is also like a very queer idea of like creating our own spaces, reclaiming our own spaces. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I had the same reaction. I was like, this is not a particularly vulgar laughed and yes. like, I don't know if that's the reaction we were supposed to have but like I just remember like Hustlers with J-Lo and all of those scenes were like so much more and everyone was like it's J-Lo it's okay and like for some reason yeah. like I was just like this is I'm like this, there's not much happening here and like even when he's like falling down the stripper pole it's all just very artistic it's mm-hmm. there's nothing particularly sexual about that pole dance which I realized sounds like an oxymoron but like I was just like this is not that vulgar Mm. in that sense so I was like I think it's fascinating also that like it didn't need to be vulgar for people to still have that reaction there's like just the fact that it was happening was enough it didn't have to be like a particularly sexualized dance as well Mm. Just because mm. of, like, the context. I want to hear about some of these other themes that are in this video. Yes. Um, full disclosure, I did look up a Times article that, which everyone <laughs> should read because I read it and I was like, this is so smart. Yes. Um, but what they did is they had, like, people who teach, like, medieval Christian architecture. Um, one of the guys, his he works at the University of California, Irvine. They had all these professors go through the imagery of it. And there is so much imagery. But specifically in that um, devil scene at the end, there is a Latin inscription on his altar-ish um, that says they condemn what they do not understand, which I think is very specific way of thinking of it and I'm like oh yeah that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. um but one thing that I thought was interesting that little Nas X said is that he's creating this connection between modern and ancient persecution Mm -hmm. um which I think a lot of times it's easier for us to see persecution in a historical context than it is today because we're like well it's not as bad today as it was in X time you can see that with like literally any social movement so I think something that people like when learning about new things is like contextualizing what was happening either today in uh, ancient time or vice versa so I think that that idea is very interesting especially since like they just banned gay conversion camps in the UK like a month ago maybe less so, and, like, that's still not a band that the U.S. has. Right. So it's, like, these are still messages and images that you see and people see. That kind of stuff. I don't know where I was going with that thought, but I'm here. <laughs> no, that's, like, real, the, the being able to cross, sort of really think about, like, what, what it means to um, connect these histories with our presence. And um, it's also, like, when... Little Nas X came out with like Old Town Road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of like it was sort of a joke song, but it's also really good. And then um, because it was kind of a joke song, but it was getting a lot of popularity, right? Like he was also getting a lot of pushback from the country, like the country music, 
the white country music community, uh, then before getting awarded for it, came out as gay, like, publicly, right? And, like, I think there was also some strategy, and not strategy, but, like, some purpose in, like, making sure to, before, um, before the ride of Old Town Road was over, while it was still popular, to be like, and by the way, I also want to, like, let y'all know I'm gay. I think it gave him access to, like, be able to come out and start making music like, like this, right? Um, like, uh, Montero, Call Me By Your Name, like, also, like, his newer song, which is called Sun Goes Down, I believe, which mm. is about, sort of, um, not being, seeing himself reflected in music as a young black gay man when he was like younger and like a young black gay boy right and and i think um being able to also be like you know y'all really tried to stop me from getting these awards and from getting these number ones but guess what now i got two um, like and i i think um there's you you've seen him as an artist sort of recommit himself to like some of the social justice movements, but also very much doing it the way he wants to do it, which, you know, will probably lead to problems down the line, but we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> but that's the problem with, you know, him being one of the first, if not the first, like, black gay rapper, is that he is now, whether he likes it or not, a representative of that community. And, like, this is... You know, so he can go about it the way that he wants. And he is being so intentional about what he's putting out there and about being true to himself. But at the end of the day, like, he does not represent all black gay men, all black queer men, you know, queer people, queer pop people. Like, and so there's just going to be like, no one's ever going to be totally happy with like, what's going on, what's going on, um, or like how how he represents himself there there's always going to be this because he is the first he should represent the movement in such and such way and so i don't know it's a struggle i know honestly though that's why i'm happy he's doing like he releases because the only thing i felt for like the weekend like the two weeks after he released the song was just like belligerent i was like i'm gonna be belligerent my gender is belligerent my mood is belligerent i'm ready like i'm ready to be black as all all nonsense and just be belligerent in these spaces and i think it's something we need right now like Mm -hmm. after seeing 2020 it's really powerful to see like artists creatives and like you know, people in general being like, actually, we don't really want to accept racism anymore. We don't really want to accept sexism and homophobia anymore. We're actually kind of tired of it. Like, you know, and I think, um, I don't think we're going to be able to achieve that without some more provocation of what, what is your, like, what's your actual problem, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, with this video, it's like, what is your actual problem? Because like you said, it's not that vulgar it's mostly symbolic like Mm. the most vulgar thing that i remember particularly happening is just when like snake version montero licks boy version montero's belly and it wasn't even like tongue on skin it was like tongue on some like chest plate thing like it was like it was like (laughs) it was kind of weird but like um and so that that was like an also an interesting thing where I'm like, okay, maybe the lyrics, you can be more mad about the lyrics, but I feel like people 
the backlash didn't seem to be like we're listening to the lyrics and I don't even think people know what they are I was so shocked I, I looked them up today I was like oh god really yeah. <laughs> like, oh. they're clever though I will give them that they're mm-hmm. clever little like but, yeah. I mean the whole thing's clever I had even thought that the the purpose of calling the song Call Me By Your Name was to reference the movie it is it is yeah. it is and that's why it's named Montero because that's his name his name so it's like Call Me By Your Name and that's why everyone's him so he's literally saying yeah. like you know there's a reflection that this is about other people but it's all really an internal battle and so even in the second verse part of his thing is like um it was a dime and a nine it was mine every week referring to the 19 weeks old time was on the chart with a time and Clyde and god was shining on me right like so like in the song he's saying like all of like i'm blessed and part of my success is like you know being able to act on those blessings and like that's really fortunate and that's something that like not everyone gets to do and now that i'm in this spotlight um, like, what is the the responsibility to push the boundary? Mm. Um, and I, and I, and I think the the cool thing, or at least I hope, right, is that it feels less of like a responsibility, at least for him, and it's more like again by doing what he wants, he gets to sort of model what queer artists can be, and to me, like because he's the first sort of you know gay black man rapper to be able to like break through the charts successfully it gives a lot of other black queer rappers the opportunity to do so without having to tone themselves down and i can tell y'all from the black rappers i know they don't tone themselves down anyway um right sort of similar to how cardi b has sort of pushed the boundary on like what like current female rappers are allowed to say now in like mainstream songs i think sort of Montero was like was kind of like a spiritual successor to WAP for me because I'm just like yes say all the things and let me just dance to it and also (laughs) like when Cardi was like I'm not raising your kids and Uh, he was like I'm not even a huge Cardi B fan but I was like you are brilliant (laughs) I was like yes thank you (laughs) yeah I think that the imagery that he's using to have that type of agenda, not agenda, but like the idea that he's like, I will do this on my own terms is so, I hadn't thought about it that way. And I think mm-hmm. that that is also really cool. Cause like I was talking about someone, I'm like, I could not be famous today. There are just like so many things <laughs> happening. And I'm like, cause I also would never want to say like the wrong thing. So I think that he's created a context where like nothing he can say can be wrong. Cause everyone's already mad. <laughs> is a really smart way to play that card. And I think what's interesting is that we have this like very specific idea of like what homosexuality means. And it's this idea of like just two nice gay men with their three adopted racially ambiguous children and a picket fence. And like that is sort of the idea of like what you have to be to be a successful gay man in our society. So I think that him being like, no, we can like actually just be straight up queer and there doesn't need to be any more context than that, I think is also a really um, huge step and idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can say, I think he came out recently and said, like, I am pushing an agenda, it's called liberation. Yeah. And I think like, um, 
you know, that's another thing that gets, like, used against, like, queer folks a lot and, and around, like, oh, the gay agenda. And there's a lot of people or, like, a lot of, like, meme culture pushed to the back that's, like, I'm just trying to live. It's not an agenda. But then there's, like, a lot of us who are organizers who are, like, yeah, we do have an agenda. We would like to not see our people hurt and to be able to live freely. And I think that, like, being able to claim that's also really awesome that, um he's been able to sort of like being young and not feeling the pressure to just fall into those categories that I feel like is very easy for stars, particularly like in Hollywood and, and surrounded by that culture to just be like absorbed and co-opted. I'm wondering, so I feel like I can't ever watch anything that polarizes in this way or, you know, everyone is already so mad. And I think we kind of got into this at the very end of season one with our bonus episode with um, talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter and people from the Center for Reconciliation. But I guess I'm just wondering, like, for example, when Mm. Justice, when your brother called you and was like, what's going on? Like, how am I supposed to feel? Like, and for people like your brother and and whom who aren't just like inherently already going to write it off and just be mad and be like, Mm. no. What about those people that are on the fence that are like, maybe like, I don't, I really don't like that he gave Satan the laugh dance, but like, I, I want him to live his life and be queer and be accepted. And it sucks that he has to like move through the world where people just inherently hate his being. But like, like, I don't know. It's not up to us alone to solve this, but I always ask this question because, you know, I was kind of there. I was purely shocked. I like couldn't even feel either way. And then, you know, on a few rewatches, I was just like, this is just so cool. And like, honestly, watching this amount of um, exposure, this amount of liberation, it like made me feel safe. Mm, Yes. In the way that you, Justice, were like, I'm belligerent. Like, my existence is... Like, I'm just going to be belligerent. I... It was like... I felt similarly, but I also had this kind of, like, internal peace that was, like... It was so shocking. It, like, shocked me into being, like, I'm okay the way that I am. Yeah. So I guess this is kind of, like, a two-part, like, pose that I'm giving both of you, which is, like, the first part... What about for the people that are on the fence? Like, what... What do they need to hear to be on the side of, like, God is love? And, mm. like, the only way to spread God's message is through love. Well, mom, why? I don't know. <laughs> At the end of the day, we can always cut this out. <laughs> no, I think that is so smart. I'm sorry. I didn't mean no, to cut it off. But I, um, I like the idea of being so out there that it's safe to then have any thoughts. So, like, the church I grew up in was very welcoming to, like, questioning of any kind and very open to, like, if I had legitimate questions, I can be like, what's going on? Like, I had so many questions about why Good Friday is called Good Friday. And literally everyone was like, it's okay. You can ask that question. (laughs) But I think also that there's something really powerful in having a story that is so layered with Christian themes and there was not ever one white man in it. It was, there was never this like, even the angel scene, I don't remember the name of the guy, Um, but it was said that like, it's supposed to be about this like queer guy from Greek theology 
which I will look up the name of after. Um, I also can't pronounce it. But, um, so even like in that moment, it wasn't um, this like ambivalent God that's going to rescue him as well. And I think that that is also an integral part of this story that like he grabbed the pole. And I think that we are, like, I think that that is also something to add to it, that, like, he had this vision of the heavens and all that kind of idea. And then the pole comes up, and there's a moment where they zoom in on it, and he grabs it. And it, he chooses to be authentic rather than something else. Damn! I, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, for no. real. <laughs> No, but I think that that is also something, and I think that that goes into your idea of, like, this inner peace that comes and is, like, I'm okay the way that I am, and, like, that's also okay, um, because the, we no longer have unconditional anything, mm. like, even in your job, in your work, in your friendships, like everything's about networking. Everything's about having someone that can do it. Like even your friends have to be able to get you something at some point in time. So I think this idea that like you can unconditionally love yourself and that's okay. And to me at the end of the video, and I don't know if this is what he was looking for, but like by killing Satan, it's also like he's killing another person who he's not looking for um anyone to accept him mm. either it's yeah. like i don't even need satan to accept me because i accept me mm. and that's sort of what i saw in the him becoming the devil because mm. he's like this is who i am and i think it's also interesting that his eyes turned white and not black at the end because mm. i think a lot of times in the mythology we've sort of created around this that devil's eyes are black and that angel eyes are white mm. so i you also think <laughs> so i think this is like what i was talking about um, but i also think that that's also really interesting that like yes it's the black wings and it's this and that but the eyes are white so you can sort of like take that either way especially when his follow-up video that music video is him all in white and in a suit and in this like godlike idea. So also that like you can be God and the devil at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Said. Like, yeah, no, I think um, some of the things I was telling my brother is just like, you know, um, I was like, again, this is taking stories that are told to, to queer people and, and reimagining them. Um, but even the, the lyrics itself, like breaking those down, right? Um, it was so interesting because I was like, oh, you're kind of, like, telling all these people, like, some queer culture that, like, is some of the shadier shit. Oh, excuse my language. <laughs> like, some of the shadier things, right? Like, 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 um, like, the first half of the song is about, like, going over someone's house and then ending up hooking up, right? Like, and, um, an experience that's, and, like, with details that aren't far off from how a lot of hookups do happen in, in queer culture, um, and, or in gay culture, particularly. And I think, like, part of that, too, is, like, recontextualizing gay culture within the context of, like, this doesn't necessarily make me unholy, right? Like, this doesn't necessarily make me bad. This is just how things happen, right? Um, and, like, talking about another person as, like, oh, yeah, no, you're going through it. 
Um, you're going through it, right? I want to, let me pull up the lyrics. All I see is weed and white, right? Like, that's like saying, like, oh, honey, I see we're going through a rough time. You know, you got to rely on these substances. You know, why don't we just have fun together? Why don't we just be in community through sex? But regardless, like, why don't we be in community? Why don't we enjoy each other? Um, and I think part of the, the question of queer liberation is how can we be in community together, be our whole selves, and not shame ourselves for the feelings, the emotions, and the joy that we have with each other? Um, how can we create spaces, whether those spaces are in the church, in places of faith, or whether those places are in the club or on the pole, right, where we can still feel whole and not feel judged? Um, and so for, like, folks on the fence, it's, like, ultimately what are your values in terms of your relationship with God, in terms of your relationship with your faith? Do you value judgment over, like, compassion? Um, do you value taking on, um, you know, God's role of being the judge when God has already asked you not to do that, right? Like, has already said, don't cast the first stone, right? And I think there's a lot of folks elevating themselves to a status within religion of wanting to demand how other people behave and assuming that they understand uh, why that behavior is wrong rather than always necessarily accepting and listening and understanding behavior and empathizing and relating to folks. And I think um, what... <laughs> really belligerent, provocative things like this do is it demands you not to accept someone within the context of your own comfort, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can't accept me as my whole self if you're only, if you're doing that conditionally, right? You can't accept me as my whole self if you only like me when I show up a certain way. You can't accept me as my whole self if I'm coming and I'm not being as black or as trans or as like, you know, queer as I want to be in the space for your sake, right? You're not actually meeting me as a full person. And when you put up those, those barriers of, of judgment, those barriers of prejudice, you're not getting to actually see someone's soul. You're not getting to share that space with them. You're you're creating walls that won't allow you to learn from that person for whatever reason you may have to learn from that person or whatever growth you want to, to have, whatever growth is, is there for you, right? Um, and ultimately, like, you're not only cutting them off, you're not only cutting yourself off from them, but you're also cutting them off from what they might have to learn from you. Um, and I think if we're talking about, like, for folks who find it important to share their faith, for folks who find it important to share um, the teachings of their gospels and, and, and their, like, scriptures, right, how can you do that if you're already telling someone that you don't want to listen to that? Why should they listen to you? If you're already condemning them rather than understanding where that behavior is coming from. And I think it takes a lot more of this like unapologetic sort of uh, just this un un unapology really um, to like be able to like get folks to start to see, oh, like, like question, like, why are you uncomfortable? Like, I'm very curious why people are uncomfortable with 
Little Nas giving a double version of Little Nas a lap dance. Like, I really want to know. And not because it's like, oh, well, it's a lap dance. Okay, what's inherently bad about a lap dance? Like, if y'all haven't gotten a lap dance, I highly recommend. Like, with your significant <laughs> other, like, you know, there's some videos online. Um, right? Like, what what is it what's about that? Is it because it's the devil? It's not the real devil. I hate to burst your bubble, y'all. <laughs> but boy in a costume. Um, also, definitely not the first devil you're seeing. And frankly, all of your depiction, like all of our, our like modern historical medieval depictions of God, the devil, angels, it's all fan art, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like all of this is the same. And if you look in the Sistine Chapel, there's so many subversive things that artists did there to try to like come back at the, the way the church talked like came for them and so it's like this is yet another depiction of things that have been depicted for thousands of years and frankly if you look back at those depictions i promise you will you find some that are more vulgar and a lot more subversive and um, dismissive even if they were presented as religious relics right because that's what artists do i'm sorry we're very very like, we're, like, low-key a little arrogant because we want, like, our mark on things. And we're also, like, we don't like to be told what to do. So we do a lot of random things anyway. Anyway, I'm going to stop that rant. But, again, you know, another depiction of the many depictions of the devil. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that, first of all, thank you both for for entertaining my difficult question. But, yeah, I think you, you both hit the nail right on the head because that amount of like unapologetic expression it did after watching the video having a couple days and then watching the video a few more times realizing I like the video and like I'm into it but still it caused me to self-reflect and that's what that kind of expression that unapology as you put it that's what it evokes even if it's like, even for the people who are so against this video, who are so just outright not going to hear it, they still have to explain why. And so they're reflecting, even though it may not go as deep as someone who may be like on the fence and be like, mm, it really did make me feel uncomfortable that he's giving the devil a lap dance, but why? Well, partly because I was raised to fear the devil. And so I'm just scared. Yeah, like, I yeah. am scared. I, this this isn't the first time I've seen the devil, but it's also not the first time I've been scared to see the true, devil. True, true. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Absolutely. But then on the other hand, like, another way I was raised is, like, the devil's invisible. Mm-hmm. Like, he is there. He is always in the room, like, doing some mischief. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it, it did cause a lot of self-reflection. And at the end of the day, for... For me, that is what my spirituality entails. That is what my belief in God entails. It entails reflecting inward and asking myself, how can I best connect with God? And how can I best let God work through me? And it just requires this like constant um, questioning, you know, like you were saying, Ivy, the questioning of why are things the way that they are? How do I feel about the way that things are? And how can I best represent this message of love and acceptance and everything that I do? And I'm gonna stumble and fail 
one million times, but the point is to be on that road, to be as close to God as possible in this realm, in this living life. That old town road. No, um, (laughs) I just want to say one thing to to what you said too of, of, you know, being taught to fear the devil and say it, right? Or even being a God-fearing person, right? Oh, for sure. Um, And I think, you know, part of going back to your question is how can we how can we tell people like for Christians particularly how can you tell people we have an all-loving God if all you've pumped into a young queer person is fear right how can you tell them there's anything to find in themselves if they're afraid to be themselves because all you've taught them is that they have to fear being damned right and ultimately is that the message we want to send or do we want to say like no like God loves you so you should be able to love yourself Mm And maybe that's not the message, but that's what I hope the message becomes, right? Like, how can we be spreading compassion and holding each other um, rather than judging each other, right? Honestly, let the judgment happen when we say it happens, (laughs) like, after the fact. And we can hold people accountable as long as they're not, like, for when they hurt each other. But if they're not hurting people, you know, why can't we let people live? Um, Yeah, and live honestly. Better than lying. (laughs) <laughs> well, we are out of time um justice do you want to plug any social medias where can we find you yeah um i am on um i don't know what i'm on i'm on instagram as uh purple is the old black also feel free to follow at qt roots which is um queer transformative roots from Providence Youth Student Movement. We do some queer justice organizing for queer and trans youth of color in Providence. Great. And we'll put all of that in the show notes as well, as well as, you know, other ways to find you. Um, Thank you so much for being here. I mean, and I I mean, I'm speaking for Ivy too, but I, I had a blast and just am so thankful for both of you and the ways that you can approach pop culture and still feel like you're honoring your faith as another young person of faith. It's just, it's great. It's hard to move through this world, especially right now when, when it seems like everything is really polarized. Well, yeah. Thank y'all for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Mo Akande, Ivy Swinsky, and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Mo Akande and David Hines for the Season 3 music, and our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.